the last thing I heard the doctor say was, we're going to give you white amnesia, so you will remember absolutely nothing that happens to you in that coma. You will just go to sleep, nothing. You can't remember a thing. I said, okay, my dad gave me a thumbs up, and I waved goodbye, and I was gone. But then I woke up, and it was pitch dark, and I couldn't hear anything. I thought, what the devil's going on? Where am I? I didn't know if I was standing or sitting or what. I was afraid to move. But then all of a sudden, I, I could see kind of a reddish glow happening, and, and I thought, well, I'm somewhere where the sun's coming up. That's good. But as it got lighter, it was foggy and swirling, and it started getting warm, and it smelled really bad. And then I started hearing shrieking and moaning. And I thought, oh, this cannot be good. And then all of a sudden, out of this stillness came this voice, do you know where you are? I was terrified. And in the, I was still running in the darkness when all of a sudden the lights came up and I stopped and I looked around and it was like New York City. But somebody had dropped a bomb or something because all the windows were blown out of the buildings and several of them had fallen. There were fires everywhere and people screaming. And I thought, well, now what? So I saw where two big concrete pieces had fallen and I squeezed in there to try and my heart was beating. I wasn't dead. I, I never ever thought I was dead. So I sat there for a while trembling and I thought, you know, I can't just stay here. I have to, I have to find a safe place. I don't know what's happened. Maybe there's, there's a war or something. Maybe there's soldiers. And I, I saw somebody over there and I tried to call to them and, and it just said, we are all alone here. And then this group of people started coming at me, and they looked like homeless ragtag people. And they were just staring at me. They didn't talk. And I thought, I've got to go. I've just got to get someplace better than this. So I, I ran, and I was climbing up this, this like, um, it was like a wall. And I got to the top, and I fell. I fell backwards onto my back, and I closed my eyes. And it was dark. And then I opened my eyes, and I tried to see, and the lights came up again. And this time, it was like a, a scene from a play, except everything was canted and, and off-kilter. And there was people I knew there. There was a person that I was a close family member and two of her best friends. And it was this, like a beauty parlor. But it was like a movie set, and I, I thought, now what? What was going on? And she leaned over to me, and uh, she's a person that always looked impeccable. I mean, she had her hair, her makeup, she had things done to her face, and everything had to be looking good. But she was not a really nice person. You had to be careful around her because she had snippy little things to say behind your back. So she looked over and says, well, you look like hell. Get up here. Let me fix you up. You'll look just fine, and then you'll be fine. I said, I don't think you know what's going on here. And she said, well, sure, just a little makeup and a little. I said, no, that's not what is important. It's, there's something deeper going on here. And she looked at her friends, and they started laughing. She started laughing. Oh, God, the lights came up again. And now I'm looking up because there's a great big creature, a creature. And I, the minute 
He opened his mouth, and the malevolence on his face, this was a demon. There was just no other word for it. He just reeked evil, and he was mean, and he was, he knew I was there, and I was, I was under his control. And he just laughed at me, and I, I was afraid to say anything, and I didn't want to get him angry, and I just, I just stood there, and he said, do you want to get out of here? Sure I do. And he says, well, I can make that happen. So anyway, he says, all you got to do, and he waves his hand. And I look, and as far as you can see is all these blackberry vines wrapped around one another, 10 feet tall, you know, those big thorns on them. And he says, all you got to do is cut all these down, and I'll see that you get out. Well, us in the Pacific Northwest, no, you don't just cut down a couple of vines. And I said, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. I'll do that. So he hands me kindergarten scissors that cut paper. And I thought, this SOB is playing with me, and I am, that's just making me mad. So I grabbed the scissors, and I said, fine. So I lean down. I'm getting all scratched up, and it's all, all around me, and I finally start gnawing on this one vine. And I thought, good Lord, this is going to take me forever. And I finally broke it off, and I went to put it behind me so I could move forward a little bit. And when I turned around, it grew back. So again, I thought, well, shit, um, I, he's laughing, he's thinking this is funny. So I just kept going and boom, it got dark, boom, the lights came up. This went on and on and I didn't know I was dead. So I, I just totally thought I was in a strange place running for my life and I was determined. They kept saying, you know, there'd be people and not people, things, demon people saying, just give up. You're not getting out of here. You have to despair. It'll be easier then. And I knew somewhere in the back of my brain, despair, that's a no-no. I cannot despair. I will fight these things, people, whatever. I was walking on the road. And uh, up ahead of there, I, it, was, it was kind of quasi-dark. It's always like dusk. No stars, of course, no moon. And I saw people walking on either side of the road. And occasionally they would walk across it. And there was no place for me to go. I had to go down the road because there was no signs. I, I had no idea where anything else was. So as I got closer, I noticed there was something wrong with these people. They were shuffling and they were making noises. And I thought, oh, now what? Um, and some of them were obviously women because they had like rags on their hair and, and, and all, uh, straggly hair and stuff. And I thought, well, I've got to get through here. I think maybe if I just keep my eyes down, maybe shuffle a little bit, make an err uh, sound, and maybe I can, sh you know, fool them, get through. I got about halfway through. There must have been about 20 of them. And they froze. So I froze, and then the women sort of backed out, and the men got around me. And one man came up and pushed me in the chest and knocked me down, another one kicked me, and then there was a very unpleasant interchange with all these men. And um, finally, uh, when they got tired, I guess, uh, one just leaned over and his skin was falling off. He was rotting. 
they all were just zombies is the closest thing I can come to it. And he just looked out, got in my face, and he said, we've all got AIDS, and now you have it too. And you know what? You won't die. You'll just get worse and worse and worse. And then they backed up, and some demon lady came up and says, get yourself together, you're one of us. So I gathered up what I had left of my clothing, and I stood up, and by then I was just about ready to give up. I thought, I can't keep doing this. I, I don't know. I'll just I'll see where this next adventure takes me. So there was about probably 10 or 12 of us ladies that were clutching our clothes and trying to keep warm and we followed this lady and through the trees and then came to like the tundra and it was snowing and we were cold and and again with the time thing all I know is when we came out it was snow on the ground but it started snowing and we were standing just following this demon lady one by one, and by the time we got where we were going, the snow was chest high. And um, it was colder than hell. Now, there's such a thing as cold as hell. So we finally got to our location, which was a charming uh, one-room cabin without any installation. We went inside, and the snow was blowing in. She made us sit down, and we were kind of huddled up for warmth. And she says, now... We wait for customers. And I thought, oh, no. And I said to her, you know, I've been here a very long time, and I've been through a lot of situations, and this is just incredibly the worst. Is there some reason for this that I'm not aware? And she says, well... It's Christmas on Earth. That's always the worst day in hell. I thought, hell? Oh, my God. It was the first time I really thought, oh, my God. I'm in hell. And then I got mad. And I started singing a Christmas carol. I'll show you. And my favorite was Away in the Manger. So I started up. She was halfway across the room. She turned around, looked at me, and said, Shut up! Away in a manger. No crib for a bed. And now the other ladies are starting to sing. And she said, Shut up. And I said, The little Lord. And she shrieked and leapt at me like a spider. And it's bright again. But this time... I was just filled with joy and love and bliss and swimming in love. I just felt like every molecule of mine was just, just, uh, it was just unbelievable. And, and I thought, wow, I could remember nothing that had happened before. I didn't know where I'd been or I forgot about hell and I was just, it dawned on me that it, this had to be God. And I, I was in heaven, and I looked around, and the white had kind of made into a big room like a cathedral. And I, I saw over on the side there was a table, like an architect's table, and there was a big book. And it was open about halfway. And I thought, 
Now, I was looking at something in that book. I don't remember what it was. And then I looked over, and there's my friend, the one that had died the month before. And he looked great. I mean, the last time, you know, with the leukemia, all his hair fell out. He was all purple and swollen, but he looked really good. I mean, instead of 53, he looked about 35, and his hair was gray, and it wasn't, you know, not gray, it was brown instead of the gray. And he was wearing a sweater I gave him. So I, I said in my mind, why are we standing here? You know, there's a, you're standing in front of the door. Come on, let's go. I want to go see the butterflies and the puppies and the, you know, and the rainbows. And he just came a little closer, not so close that I could touch him. And said, now, Mary Kay, you've got too much left to do. Huh? I'm getting the bums rush. Is that what's happening in here? I said, no. No, 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 no. And I crossed my arms and I stamped my foot and boom, <laughs> I was gone. I was not happy. I think I was in a timeout place um, because I was really too angry to be set back at that time. I was a, it was a nice meadow with, you know, nice flowers and stuff like that. But I had a stream that went down and I knew I had to go down this stream. And it wasn't very thick, uh, deep in water, but I, I went down. And as I went down, there was this lady standing there. She was speaking a foreign language. It sounded like Norwegian or something, and I don't speak Norwegian. I thought, what is this lady doing? She handed me like a, a, a tablecloth, a, a, you know, lace or something. I was blah, 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 I just blah, blah, blah. I thought, oh, what now? And I threw it over my shoulder and I walked down a little further. There's a lady sitting on a, a, a rocking chair with this uh, sandbar and she's waving and comes and gives me like a little negligee. This is starting to look like a wedding trousseau kind of thing. And I thought, that's very interesting. So I carried that. I got down to the third lady at the bottom. She's got a quilt. I thought, where am I going to put this stuff? So I've got the quilt that this, and then she gives me this piece of paper. And she says, you must give this to Ron. Now, Ron was a guy that I had been dating uh, just the last three months or so. He also was instrumental in getting me to that dock in the box. If he hadn't helped me get there, I would have died there. But so when I opened my eyes, it was a big bright light again. And I looked up and there's all these people, and they're going, yay, mom's back, yay. And I thought, who are these people? Is this, is this another, another part of hell? What is going on? I couldn't move at all. I, could, I had something in my throat. I was so hot. And, and they're, 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 their faces are you know, like right here, and, and they're happy and stuff. And, and finally, my daughter sits down and says, Mom, you've been so sick. You've been so sick. We thought you were going to die. You've been gone for three weeks. <laughs> it was a good thing I couldn't talk. My mom says, we had a prayer circle going around the world to bring you back, and we did it. And I thought, it's a good thing I can't talk because I would say some pretty rude things right now about not wanting to be back with you nice people. I was very happy with him in heaven. And so as the days went by, um, they finally put a device on me so that I could talk like a robot. 
And then they said that I would be in the ICU another week and then they would get permission from my insurance, which was a hassle to go to a rehab facility to um, learn how to walk and talk and crawl and swallow and button because I was down to 86 pounds and I had no muscle mass and I could move this finger and blink. And I thought of my friends saying, you've got too much left to do. I thought, how? This is, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard. And the doctor, I overheard him and he said, you know, we don't know how brain damaged she is. We know she won't work again. She might be able to drive a car, but she's, she's gonna have to have, live with someone, have some help. I was 53. I had my own company. I mean, I raised two kids by myself. I, I was a little upset. It took, took me a month in the rehab uh, to get enough strength to go back. I had uh, one lung had collapsed and it was full of uh, scar tissue and, and uh, my breathing was bad. And then two days before I was supposed to check out, this one started to collapse. And uh, they had to stick a needle in me and, and uh, awake and then get a drain on it before I could get that back together. So uh, it was interesting. The guy I'd been dating, it turned out he had been in the hospital every day. He worked uh, an hour away and he came by every single day. And uh, when we heard that I had to either make a choice of uh, living with my parents or living with my parents, um, he proposed and said, I'll take care of you. I love you, I'll take care of you. And we got married about a year later and um, I was haunted by these demons. I, I was afraid to go to sleep. I was afraid it was gonna happen to me again. I didn't know why it had happened, so I didn't know what to do that it wouldn't happen. And so I was a writer, I was always a writer, nothing you know, published, but I, I thought if I can just write this down, maybe I can get it out of my head and stop you know, thinking about it all the time. Why doesn't it go away? I mean, dreams are, if it was dreams or drugs, shouldn't this go away? And uh, I, just, I just kept writing and writing and it didn't go away. So for 10 years, I had nobody to talk to about it because nobody would listen. I thought I was crazy. I thought I was damned. Um, and then <laughs> a strange series of um, serendipitous events happened and I found myself at an IONS meeting in Seattle. The thing that I have learned over all this time is that in planning that life, I planned those things and I had to ask myself why. Well, somebody mentioned I had a lot of moxie and I was a pain in the ass. I won't point you guys out, but uh, uh, yeah, I'm a brave soul. And um, I, for some reason, I'll understand when I get home, is I plan to do that so that I can come back and tell people, you don't go to hell unless you go by accident, like I did, or accidentally planning it. But God is all loving, all forgiving, and never condemns anybody. I don't care who tells you differently. If it's your family, it's your culture, it's your religion, it's wrong. And anybody that's had a near-death experience backs me up on this. God is all loving. 
He would never condemn you. Yes, we're going to have life reviews, and I understand they're not that bad. They're kind of interesting. And yeah, you say, okay, I could have done a little better there, you know, or wow, I knocked that out of the park over there. But it's never a, um, a judgment. God doesn't judge. We judge.